All right. Well, hey, like I said, we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 16 today. And last week we were in Luke chapter 15 looking at these parables. And if you were here, if you, if you were watching online, you know, I said that that's uh, Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son is just, it's just one of my favorites. And honestly, Luke chapter 16 wasn't even on my radar. And, uh, and after studying it this week, I, th- I think it just... I think it just moved up the. I think it just. I think it just took out the prodigal son as my favorite, and uh, and I'll tell you why because I feel like I can really identify with this uh, with this parable, and uh, and I think the reason that we may have passed over it, or at least I had passed over it, is because it's 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 a hard on the front. It seems like it's a really hard one to understand. It, it's called the the parable of the dishonest manager, and so Jesus tells this story about this. Uh, accountant who does some shady dealings, and at the end, like he gets commended, it, which you got to admit is just confusing, right? Like that's not what's supposed to happen. Like Jesus is saying, saying good job. Which one of the things I learned looking at this, and uh, and then it start it, this starts to make sense. Jesus would do this often. In fact, rabbis would do this. They would tell a story and say, "Hey, it's kind of like like this," and but in, in order to describe how God works. There's just sometimes you're really stretching for things that we can relate to that can show a picture of God. Like last week, we had this incredible father and a rebellious son, and the son repents. And so there's this celebration because of this turning and this this repentance. And then you've got this loving father that meets him. Well, if that's true of an earthly father, how much more true is that picture of, of our incredible God. Well, in this story today, you've got this rich man who has an accountant that's managing his, some of his money, and he finds out that the manager has not been doing, doing a good job. He's, he's, uh, he's been wasteful with it. And so he says, hey, I'm going to let you go of your position. And he doesn't do what he probably should have done. You know, if you work in corporate world, I, I've seen this happen before. Like when somebody's going to get fired, you know, they walk up to their cubicle and say, hey, pick up your keys and your tag and let's go to HR. Uh, so that they can't jump on their computer and cause any, any problems for the company. Well, this rich man doesn't do that. He just gives him this head notice. And there's this, this stretch of time between when this accountant finds out that he's going to lose his job and before he actually has to face the, the rich man. And in that time, what he does is he goes to these different accounts that the rich man has, and he says, hey, you owed him this much? Hey, tell you what, right now, let's write this down. Let's, I'm going to make that half. You owe him half as much as what you owed him before. Hey, this other guy, you, know, you owed him this much? Well, let's, let's go ahead and reduce that. So he starts making friends with all of the people and giving these, them these incredible discounts, which is just Really, it's really wasteful and wrong. He's, do, he's doing his, his employer wrong, but he knows he's going to lose his job, and so he does it. So he's thinking about the future. What's going to happen after this goes down? Because he says in the parable, he says, man, I'm, I, I'm too weak to like, dig ditches. I, I, don't, I can't find another job, and nobody's going to hire me to be an accountant anymore. So what am I going to do? I better make some friends with somebody so somebody will let me in their house. So when this rich man faces him, he says, he commends him for what he did. He said, this was, this was shrewd. He commends him for his shrewdness. And then Jesus takes that to say, 
hey, you know what? As children of light, as disciples of Jesus, we should also be, be shrewd. Now, this idea of shrewdness, and this is where it comes in that I think this may be my, my favorite. Um, I, if you know me very well, uh, I've kind of got this uh, reputation for being what some might call cheap. Uh, I, I, I really do. I've got a good friend, and he and I see things a lot alike. And uh, when our uh, wives call us cheap, we've decided to change that word to savvy. Sa- savvy is just a better way of looking at it. I mean, but I like stretching a dollar as far as you can stretch it. I like seeing something like get more than what it should, you know, like be worth more than it should or, or making something that seems like it has no value have, have value. I've, I've got this, this trophy in my backyard of, of this uh, value for me. There's this, uh, this play set that I built for the twins. All right, now you can go, you know, you can go to the store and you can spend a lot of money on a play set, right? I mean, this, this play set has swings, it's got the climbing wall, it's got the slide. I mean, it's got three sl- swings. It's even got one of those teeter-totter swings. I mean, it's, it's got a roof on top of it, you know? It's got, the, it's got all of it. Totally built with scrap wood, scrap screws. I had a friend that bought one of the fancy ones. But uh, it was about rotted down, and his kids had gotten older. So we just took a chainsaw and cut everything that wasn't any good, and I salvaged all the leftover parts. And every time I walk out there, you know what I do? I look at that, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Now Terry's like, why, why couldn't we have just bought, you know, one of the... But I'm like, no, 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 this right here, like, like that made from scrap wood... Created our own design, you know? That's the way I am with uh, birthday cards or, you know... Man, I'm going to buy a card. Let's just make us a card, you know? Take an old sheet of paper and some crayons, you know, and just, yeah, that was your $8 card right there. So I really personally appreciate being savvy or being shrewd of looking at things and making the most of that moment, making the most of that opportunity. That's one reason if we take the time to go on a vacation and then, like, that time is wasted or we don't have fun, that's one of the saddest things you could hear somebody say, right? Man, I need a break, I need a break, I need a break. I take the time, I go have a vacation and come back, and it wasn't fun. <sighs> like that, the value of that just got lost. So um, that Jesus highlights and commends, I think the thing that bothers us some about this parable is that he commends this accountant. But the reason he's commended specifically, it's not like he gives his job back. What he commends is, hey, you know what? That was, that was pretty smart. I've had that happen with the twins the kids before, you know? They do something really bad, but man, that was, that was pretty smart the way you did that, you know? I mean, I got, I got to give you props for the way you did it, even though that lie was a lie and you're still going to get punished, man. I, I mean, I appreciate that. That was pretty smart the way you hid that cookie underneath your pillow, you know? That was, that was pretty smart. Um, so specifically, that's what he does. And we'll just break down different pieces of this. Like last week, I would encourage you to, to go back and to read Luke chapter 16. But um, specifically, Luke 16, 8 and 9, it says this. This is uh, what happens when the, when the manager, I mean, when the rich man returns. He said, And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of 
the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, because, y'all, it will fail, right? Wealth of unrighteousness, the, the money of the age, like, the days are numbered, and it will fail. We're, we're watching some of that. It, it can't be trusted. Uh, when it fails, they will receive you in eternal dwellings. It, eternity is what matters, because our days are, are short. And so Jesus uses this picture to say what this guy did was really smart because in the short time frame that he had, he was wise about the way he handled things so that he could set himself up for after he lost his job. And in the same way, the children of life, disciples of Jesus, need to live wise and courageous in this short time that we have because we're thinking about eternity. We're not just thinking about today and our short time here on, on planet Earth. All right, so right at the beginning, one thing that I don't want to miss is that he begins this parable, Luke chapter 16, he says, and, so, and, and he also said to the disciples. So remember uh, chapter 15, he's hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners, and you've got the scribes and the Pharisees, and you've got both of these groups that he's speaking to, and he's telling both of them there's a repentance that needs to take place. A repentance from your sin, a repentance from trusting in your own righteousness. There is this, you know, we talked about last week, like a coming to your senses that the prodigal son experiences where he goes, oh man, I belong in my father's house. I can't do this out on my own. And so there's this this repentance, this turning. And so that's what Jesus does with the parable in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And then immediately following, the first thing it, it says is that, he also said to his disciples. And so it's just big for us to recognize that this parable is speaking to people who have made that first turn of repentance and they're following Jesus. But now there's also a new coming to their senses that's going to have to take place. And I don't know where you are um, on those two coming to your senses, the repentance of sin and of where you're placing your hope. And this coming to your senses where you realize that life is about something bigger than the things that are just immediately around you and eternity matters. I remember when both of those, I I don't know if there's a better word than enlightenment uh, for me happened, that first enlightenment of I'm broken and I'm sinful and there is a living God who loves me and and a Jesus who made it possible for me to be right with him again. And then this other the enlightenment of, man, this life isn't meant to be lived for myself, but it's meant to be lived for that Jesus who gave his life for me. And there's something that he's doing. He came to seek and to save the lost, and now I get to be a part of that. Uh, when it happened uh, this second time, or the second enlightenment, it was when I was in college. Um, Terry and I had just gotten married. It was the summer uh, after that, and I... I was playing football, and my plan was to be a football coach. And so all of my life was about learning everything I could about the game, uh, playing it as well as I could on my team, and just yeah, that, was, that had all of my focus. And then all of a sudden, I, this happened where I realized, you know what? I mean, I'm only going to play for so long, and then football is going to be over. And if I'm the best coach in the world, it doesn't matter if I'm not, if I'm not lit. This Jesus that saved me, he wants to do that with other people. And I got real excited about that. 
And so I sat down and I, I wrote a letter to my coach. And the letter said, basically, I was going into my senior year. I am I'm planning not to play this year because my focus has switched and I really think that God wants me to do something different. And I had the letter and I was headed to the post office. And on the way to the post office, I just got this real peace. And it was like, and it was like the, as clearest as I've heard, you know, not any audible voice, but just this feeling in my heart that the Holy Spirit was saying, all right, now play football. But play football for eternal purposes. And there was just this incredible peace, like, all right. And I did, man. And that last year, I had the most fun. played better than I'd ever played. But I also had the most fun looking at my team and thinking, man, what matters for eternity? What matters in this practice for eternity? What matters when I'm up in the dorm for eternity? What matters as I interact with people for eternity? In fact, those guys got so mad because they knew that Mark would give guys rides back to the dorm. But if you sat in the car with Mark on the way back to the dorm, you're going to have to talk about Jesus. You have to talk about what was going on in your life, and he was going to ask you, ask you the tough thinking questions that nobody really wants to talk about. But, but do I walk in the hot sun, or do I ride by with Mark and do that, you know? It got to the point where I walk up in the dorm rooms, like you'd hear doors shut, because they were like, oh man, Mark's going to come on to talk about Jesus again. But there was this thing that clicked, like he had changed my life so much that that's all I wanted to talk about. And I knew that I didn't want to leave and graduate and not have told these guys that I was close to about this incredible Jesus who had changed my life. And so that's what I was going to do. I didn't care if we won games or if I got five tackles or a hundred. It didn't matter to me. I just wanted to be faithful with this thing that had come to me that needed to get to somebody else and give them hope also. And I I just want to throw out that, that challenge to us because before this, I remember I don't know if there's a better way to say it than just kind of sitting fat and happy in the kingdom of God, taking in all the blessings of this incredible redemption, but keeping it to myself. And my life didn't have much purpose because my biggest goal was to find some way to just like make some money and, and do the thing and we, Terry and I still have, have the white picket fence and the small, we, we, we had this perfect little picture of what, what we wanted for us. And Jesus just had something bigger that was about him. And I think as the Grove Church, there's a, there's a, there's a challenge in there as, as a church, as a community, going on to that next place with Jesus. Like not just stopping at his love and embracing it, not just stopping at the prodigal son, but going on to the shrewdness of living our life on purpose. That's what Jesus wants from us, and that's what this guy gets commended for. And so this is a parable for disciples. And uh, this guy, he comes to an enlightenment. You know, last week, if you remember, it says that the prodigal son came to his senses. He was, he was with the pigs, and he was like, man, even my father's servants have it better than this. And he woke up and saw things in truth. Well, the same thing happens in this parable in uh, verse 3. Uh, the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking my management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. So <laughs> he realized, man, I'm not going to have a job. Nobody's going to hire me, and I'm not capable of doing anything else. So I'm going to be in a heap of trouble. I I better do something with this little season that I have. So it's a parable for disciples. 
And it's a parable about managing what is not ours. This, this account is managing the rich man's funds. It's not things that are his. It's, it's, it's the rich man's things that he has possession of for a while, and he needs to be shrewd about the way that he uses those things. In fact, when Jesus is given the explanation of this later on in verse 11, he says, If then you, who have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who, uh, if you've not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful with that which is another's, who will give you uh, that which is your own? And it's just good for us to recognize that the things that we experience today, life, our heart beating, air, the car you drive, the food you eat, we quickly forget that those things are not, that our God has given us those things, right? We just really, really quickly live as though they're ours with no responsibility to the, to the one who gave them to us. And it's, it's really good. This guy to realize these, these things are not ours. I, uh, a few years ago, we, uh, we started a little family business. And the move to do that was going to take enough finances that we just didn't have that liquid where we could just go do that. And so I started looking for a small business loan. And I, at first, it really surprised me. You know, I'd go to a bank and sit down with a loan officer, and they just started asking some pretty pointed questions, you know, getting kind of personal. And, uh, and then they started, you know, really wanting this drawn-out business plan. You know, you guys should have a business plan if you're going to start a business. And they wanted me to prove to them that the business was going to make money. And I, 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 there was this part of me at first that was kind of offended, like, well, who do you think you are? I mean, come on, just, just give me some money, and I'll go do my thing. Well, I got one of those loans and passed all that, and then each year they would come back, and they wanted me to rehearse that whole thing over again before they would do it, you know, keep, keep the relationship going the next year and the next year and the next year. And it took a few years before finally I realized, this business is not mine. They, they own it. I, I, I thought I was self-employed, but I'm not. They, they, they own it because they're writing the checks, and I'm, you know, we're in this. But they own the business. It's like, it's like when I realized, man, that when you own a house, but you got a mortgage, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not really my house, you know? I mean, and, but we live as though these things, like, they're, they're ours. And we live as though our life is ours, y'all, but our God has been so gracious that he's given you the things at your disposal. Your, your finances, this, this passage, I mean, it ends, this passage ends with you cannot serve both God and money. So there's no way we can't talk about money being a big part of that this morning. But it's way bigger than that. It's your talents, it's your abilities, it's your relationships, it's, it's the things at your disposal. They're not yours. You get to enjoy them, but you also get to be really wise about and shrewd about the way that you use them for the one that gave them. So this is a parable for disciples about managing what is not ours in a limited time frame. If you notice, this manager has this, this little block of time, and he knows that it's, it's closing quick. And so he has to be real shrewd in this little savvy, in this really short time, to be able to make the most of it for what happens later. 
And y'all realize that you may feel like you got a lot of time, but you don't. And um, I, I got a reminder of that Friday morning because I went out of the yard and I reached down to just pick something up and I heard this side of my lower back go, pop! And uh, honestly, if I didn't have a whole lot of uh, ibuprofen in me right now, I'd probably be like kind of leaning on this. I mean, it, it, is, it is just every, Saturday morning, this morning, I almost like couldn't get out of bed. I laid out there on the ground in the backyard for about 30 minutes. Darcy came out. I was like, Daddy, what, 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 what you looking at the grass for? I said, baby girl, go tell your mama. Well, don't tell her I'm laying on the ground. Tell her, tell her, that, tell her that my daddy's back's cramping. And she went inside and said, uh, Mama, daddy's back's cramping. Daddy's back's cramping. And, uh, and so <laughs> Terry just came out and laughed at me. That's what happened. She just came out and laughed at me. Um, but you know what that's a really good reminder of? This this thing that I, you know, this body that I'm using for a little while, it is not meant to last forever. I mean, this, this thing is going to break down. It's so funny over the last couple of days as I've told somebody, yeah, my back's, you know, if I've told a young guy, oh, my back's, my back's kind of hurting. They're like, oh, man, that's, what is, oh, man, I bet you hate that. I told my dad that, and no joke, the look on, the little sly smile on my dad's face, and it was this look like I had met one of his good friends, you know, like, mm-hmm, and you know what my dad did? He's like, boy, you're getting old. That's what happens when you get old. It gets a lot worse than this. And then he started offering me all the devices he had that can make it the, the pain, you know, the, the back brace and all the thing. He got all the goods, man, because that's the reality. Our time is limited, and in this short time, we better do something with it. I thought about a couple of other pictures of that, you know, we we, once in a while, we get to make a little trip to, uh, to Mexico. If anybody's gone to Mexico and has, has you know, purchased some of that Mexican vanilla, anybody know about Mexican vanilla? Oh, my goodness gracious. You throw Mexican vanilla in pancakes. You throw it in cookies. Man, you throw it in your coffee. You put, you put Mexican vanilla in anything, and it just makes it good. The thing is, you can only get that kind of vanilla if you cross the border. So it feels that way anyway. So once you get a bottle of it, you know it's limited. <laughs> like you, you, you pour it, but you think, man, man, how much, how much should I give it this time? Because if I use it this time, I'm not going to use it later because there's a limited time, and I better be really shrewd about the way I use this Mexican vanilla. When you light a match, you know, that matchstick, you only got so much time before you better light something on fire or you just wasted the match. The Bible says that our life is like a vapor. It's here for a second, and then it's gone. And in that little short time, we better do something with it. Because it's fleeting. Eternity's forever, but this life, it's short. You know, I thought about this with the, with the whole virus and quarantining, and, you know, hopefully there's a day coming when things are going to get somewhat back to normal. Hopefully. But in this season that we have right now, are we being shrewd with the way that we're using this really unique time in history and in our lives? I've talked to some folks, and I've had moments where I feel like maybe I am, and I've talked to some folks that aren't, and I've had some moments that maybe I feel like I I wasted it. There's a really unique opportunity to to reboot some things, to create some new habits, to to do some things that have kind of been on the back burner. There's there's, there's a really unique season. I know everybody's uh, situation is different, but it's definitely unique for all of us. And there's this little moment of, what are are we going to do? Because it 
hopefully, it's not going to last forever. There's, a, there's an end date. Just like your life has an end date. And like he says here, make friends for yourself in, for eternal dwellings. There's an, there's an eternity out ahead. And we need to live during this time for, for that time. So this is a parable for disciples about managing something that's not ours in a limited time frame with wisdom and courage. To live in this life for eternity takes a lot of wisdom and courage. And if you've known anybody that's done that or if you've made decisions in that way, you know it. Because the people around you will say, you are crazy. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense in your years on this planet to do what you just did. But it makes complete sense if, if it's all true and there is a living God and there is an eternity and there is a heaven and there is... Like, it makes total sense then, but, but it's so rare for somebody to live shrewdly in this life for the next that it stands out like crazy and it makes everybody say, you are insane. It also takes a lot of wisdom where you stop and look at things in truth and don't, don't, don't pretend about it. You know, Darcy loves mermaids and she wants to swim like a mermaid. She wants to be a mermaid. She wants a tail that looks like a mermaid and she tries to swim with it, but she drowns every time she tries to swim with that mermaid tail because she's not a mermaid. She's a little girl, but she wants to be a mermaid. She wants the hair that sparkles like a mermaid. She wants the scales on her legs that look like a mermaid. She wants to be a mermaid, and Darcy can pretend that she's a mermaid all that she wants to, but y'all, she ain't going to turn into a mermaid. And that seems real simple, but most of us are just playing pretend because we're not looking at life in truth. We're looking at life as though we are God, and we are the ruler of our own domain, and we got unlimited time to play with. But that's not true. We have a living God that created you, that cares about you, that loves you, and that has a purpose for your life. And we have to, one, come to our senses and repent and trust him. And then two, come to our senses and realize that it's about him and not about us. So how do we use these short days to make his name great? And to take what's come to us and to declare it to other people and help other people with it. So, I don't know, I, uh, I don't know if that becomes your favorite parable or not, but... Uh, for a, a cheap, savvy guy like me, I think, I think it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's pretty good, you know? I also like the way that Jesus uh, tells a story, and you look at it and you go, now how in the world can he take this story about this guy stealing from this other guy and find something redeemable in that? But that's how incredible of a storyteller Jesus is. And it actually makes the point pretty good. He wants us to look at the things in our hands and to look at it with an eternal perspective and to be shrewd, to make the most of the moment. And I think that's true of our life. But life is made up of, of years. And those years are made up of months. And those months are made up of weeks. And those weeks are made up of days. And those days are made up of hours. 
And I think to do, to live a shrewd life, it's not when I, when I turn 40 or it's not when I turn 50, it's not, not when I retire, it's not when I graduate from high school. We come to our senses and make that decision right now, today. I'm going to live for him, not me. So if it's cool, let me just, let me pray that we would do that.